This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 130, Yoga and the Sciatic Nerve. Have you ever had sciatica? And maybe you tried to continue yoga practice or you turned to yoga for relief without too much success? Or maybe you're one of those curious about anatomy teachers. I've been talking to many of you on Instagram. And you would like to feel more equipped when it comes to supporting your students in pain? Either way, today's episode is for you. For this episode, I sat down with Alison McLean. Alison is a massage therapist, yoga teacher, and physical therapist, as well as the founder of Ignite Your Wellness. She specializes in helping others manage their time and boost their energy with tactics and mindset to create success in their business and in their health. After her own diagnosis of Lynch syndrome and rectal cancer, she realized her hustle and grind lifestyle wasn't really serving anyone anymore. And holistic life changes were definitely needed. This wake-up call night drives her business. I would really love to read your takeaways on today's episode as you listen. So take a screenshot of the episode and share one of those takeaways tagging at on and off your mat podcast on Instagram. I will, of course, reshare you, but everybody will be able to read your takeaways and we can go deeper together in the content of this episode. We can continue to learn with each other as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode with Allison. Hi, Allison. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Such a pleasure. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your yoga journey for listeners that don't know you? Oh, sure. I started practicing yoga in the early 2000s, so just over 20 years now. I'm not that old, though. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yoga keeps us young at heart. I hope to be doing handstands with my grandchildren if my daughter decides to have children. But I first started because I was injured and um, I was in college at the time and I was a division one athlete and I couldn't dive, which was my sport. Mm. And because I was healing, I, and I couldn't go to practice, I stumbled into a yoga class and it healed not only my physical body, but also took me out of a very dark place and gave me hope. And I never looked back. (laughs) Mm, That's amazing. And today you teach and it's part of your life still? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. It flows depending on my life. Like for example, when I was in my twenties, I did a lot more Ashtanga style practice, more vigorous style. When I was pregnant, I practiced a lot more Iyengar and I flowed into that style for a period of time. And I had several surgeries myself. I have a genetic mutation So sometimes it's pranayama and a meditation practice. That is my yoga Mm -hmm. or a walking meditation. And right now I get to flow through it all because I'm feeling really good. So it really just depends on the day, restorative or vigorous. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's the same for me. It would definitely be different depending on what I need. So offline, we were talking about how you are passionate about anatomy. So tell me a little bit about that. Where did that start? How, what brought you on that part of the yoga journey? Sure. Well, yoga has always been part of my life as a lifestyle. However, in my working life, I was a massage therapist and eventually went to physical therapy school. And I had it in the back of my mind that if I ever got into physical therapy school and actually made it through and graduated, that I would combine yoga and PT. So in the end, I ended up being able to do just that. 
And I love the blend of Western medicine and science as long as with the yoga philosophy and just holistic being, I guess you could say that I think sometimes I don't know how to word it. Maybe I won't say that Western medicine is lacking, but it's just different perspectives, I guess you could say. But I always loved anatomy. It's always fascinated me. And I teach anatomy to a lot of yoga teacher trainings. So 200, 300, my own yoga therapeutic style trainings. So it's just been on the journey with me. And it's very fun to teach to yoga teachers to be, or even yoga teachers that have been teaching for several years and just want to level up their knowledge base. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it evolved over time. Great. And we talked that obviously there's many subjects we can touch on when it comes to anatomy and yoga, but one thing that's pretty common that we agreed that we could chat about today is sciatica and sciatic pain and issues. So what do we need to know? as practitioners or as teachers about the sciatic nerve to then help us understand the pain or what right tools will be helpful for us later down the line? Sure. That's a great question. So first off, just anatomically, we have the spine and we have our vertebrae and the vertebrae encase our spinal cord. And the spinal cord exits the spine through nerve little tunnels, and they're called nerve roots. And two nerve roots that exit the spine actually join together and become one large nerve called the sciatic nerve, which exits the low back region and travels down the back of the hips. So in the glute region, and then down the back of the leg, the calf, all the way to the foot. And the nerve travels, I call it the gas to the muscles. So it's going to be what propels you forward so you can contract your muscles and utilize your muscles. It also carries sensation. So your ability to feel through your skin, if someone were to touch you, your ability to feel that. So sometimes if the nerve is injured, you might experience a decrease in your ability to detect sensation. It also carries pain. Some people, if a nerve is getting injured, might feel numbness and tingling. And like I said, it's also the gas to the muscles. So there can be weakness as well. So the thing about sciatica is for every body, (laughs) the path of the nerve is generally the same, but each of us might have varying differences. So Mm -hmm. depending on where the hose or the gas pipe is getting pinched or injured, then either the sensations can feel different someone can experience all these sensations or symptoms, and maybe someone only has one of them. So the key to really working with someone that has sciatica is tracking down not only the what of what's going on. So let's say sciatica is the what, you have to track down the why. So why is it being injured in the first place? And Mm -hmm. then why, and then take it even another level or layer deeper. And why is that happening? And that is when you can more accurately create a sequence or give a sequence of asanas that will really help the individual. And that's Mm -hmm. where a class gets tricky, right? Or a Facebook Mm -hmm. question gets tricky that I see all the time. I have a student with sciatica, what can help them? And then you see like pigeon pose, pigeon pose, figure four, figure four. And in some cases, that actually makes the problem worse. Makes it worse. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some cases it helps, right? Yeah. But you don't yep, yep, know yep. until you track down the reason. Yeah. So let's come back to those two questions, the what and the why. Yeah. So what does sciatic pain usually feels like? What part of the body people's might feel sensations, symptoms. What are those possible symptoms? For people that are not sure, they're like, "Eh, maybe, you know, it's my case, but yeah, let's, Mm -hmm. we'll start there. So sometimes it's hard to distinguish, especially if the sciatic pain is more mild or it's just starting, Mm -hmm. it's usually one-sided. So either the very part of the low back, almost by the sacrum typically, and it can manifest similar to SI joint dysfunction. So sacroiliac joint dysfunction. So sometimes in the beginning, it might be hard to differentiate. And that's where working with a professional is really helpful. So it's one-sided pain in the low back, usually the lumbar region or the sacral region. And it can be a toothache type pain that's just constant and never leaves and gets worse or maybe decreases. It can be shooting pain down the back of the leg. Mm -hmm. It can be, again, an ache, a deep ache, a deep soreness, a gnawing type pain in the back of the hip, in the buttocks region, which sometimes can get confused with piriformis syndrome or a tight piriformis muscle or overused piriformis muscle or Mm -hmm. overstretched piriformis muscle. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes in rare cases, but sometimes the sciatic nerve, it typically travels alongside the piriformis muscle, but sometimes it travels through the piriformis muscle, Mm. in which Mm -hmm. case then the piriformis muscle is definitely involved. We got to work with that. So there might be literally pain in the butt. (laughs) 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 And that can be a problem. There can also be pain down the back of the leg. Some people, depending again, where the nerve is getting injured, might only feel numbness and tingling in the foot along the Mm. edge of the foot, the pinky side of the foot, they might feel an annoying numbness and tingling that's there. That's kind of hard to track down of what triggers or relieves Mm. it. That might be a symptom and there's might be no pain at all. It's just this annoying numbness tingling. So again, it, it can really vary, which is why sciatica is a little bit, they call it a garbage term, meaning it's a broad <laughs> diagnosis mm-hmm. where there's many different types of symptoms and many different causes really. Yeah. So when we think about those causes and the why it's happening and the why under that, what are some possibilities that people, you know, how did the nerve might've gotten injured or what else can be? Yeah, for sure. So we'll start with the spine. We'll start central and then we can work outwards. So if we start out with the spine, if you imagine vertebrae stacking one upon the other like Legos, but these Legos have a bit of space in between each level and that space could be a disc and the disc should be nice and plump and fat and exiting right next to the disc is the nerve root. And if you remember what I said earlier is that the sciatic nerve is actually two nerve roots. So two different levels, there's two nerve roots exiting out. So it can start right there. There can be an issue with the spine Mm. where maybe there's osteoarthritis, irritation, inflammation of the spine and the bone or degenerative changes in either the vertebrae or the discs. And that can lead to decreased space leading to compression on the nerve. 
there's many reasons why the spine could have decreased space around the nerve. Another diagnosis is uh, stenosis or uh, spinalosthesis, where maybe one of the mm-hmm. vertebrae is slightly slipping forward. These can stem from tight muscle imbalances in a general way, right? A weak core, and I'm not talking about the rectus abdominis. That's a whole other podcast. And we had an air quote on that one. (laughs) (laughs) That could be a whole other, the core could be a whole other podcast episode because sometimes it's overdone. That's correct. Weak glutes maybe, or tight muscles or a combination of them. So there could Mm -hmm. be many reasons as to why some of these degenerative changes occur. But the good news is a lot of them are reversible and repairable. So it could start at the nerve root. And then if we follow the path of the nerve out, there's musculature, a lot of musculature in the back of the hip. And as I hinted before, if the piriformis is tight, if it's weak, if it's overstretched, if the nerve is actually traveling through the Mm. piriformis muscle, then the nerve can get pinched there. There could be musculature imbalances in the hip, weakness, tightness, that's leading to compression in a funky way through the hip muscles that's leading to pain in the nerve. And then sometimes it's called a double crush syndrome where the nerve might be pinched closer to the spine, and then it might get pinched again, somewhere along the chain Mm. in the back of the hips. Yeah, I know. Or even in the hamstring region, for example, if a yogi is overstretching, maybe practicing hamanasana when they're too cold or just overdoing, then scar tissue or fascia that gets kind of sticky and stuck together in the back of the leg, the hamstring region can develop where the hamstring muscle starts to get stuck to the fascia surrounding the nerve. And then they go to do uttanasana, they're bending forward or even Ardo Hamanasana, half, half split. And what they're feeling, they think is a hamstring stretch and it's a good thing, but it's actually pulling on the nerve because of all this stickiness. So that can contribute mm-hmm. to the injury as well. So mm-hmm. sometimes it starts small and then if it isn't picked up or the practitioner teacher or student doesn't pick up on it or discern muscle stretch versus nerve stretch, for example, then it can get worse. It can get continuously inflamed throughout the yoga practice, which is a good thing, right? They go to yoga to heal themselves, but they're actually making the problem worse, unfortunately, sometimes. Mm -hmm. So then how do we know if we do have symptoms, we are going to yoga, maybe we are doing a pigeon or four figure shape. How do we know if those stretches are the right one for us? Yeah. Great question. So right off the bat in yoga, this is what I tell my students. Of course, the practice is yours. So you can decide for yourself. However, how I personally practice is if I feel any type of nerve symptoms. So I had sciatica myself. I had disc herniations, two disc herniations, which led to full-blown sciatica and I healed. And during the time that I was healing, if I felt any type of nerve symptoms, so nerve is shooting pain, like electric jolts can be that numbness and tingling. It can be pain that radiates all the way from your low back or the back of your hip, all the way down to your calf, because there is no muscle that travels that whole long length. So Mm -hmm. So if it's longer than the length of the muscle, that's a clue that it is nerve. Mm, It could be, it could be fascia. But if it carries like a hint of a joltiness or numbness, tingling, 
typically that's not fascia, it's more yeah. nerve. So then it's just back off. And a response that I typically, because I used to teach a, a healthy back class for a decade or so. So I had a lot of students come into the practice to heal their low backs or heal their sciatica. And I would always cue this in my classes, if you feel any nerve symptoms, back off. And the response I always got, well, if I back off, then I don't feel anything. And that's okay. While you're healing, it's better to feel no sensation than feel a sensation that you can mistakenly interpret as Mm. muscle, but it's really nerve. And plus, if your nerve is healing, we just want to give it all the space, all the capabilities to heal as possible. And so less is definitely more. Mm -hmm. So backing off is one part, listening in to Mm -hmm. those sensation, being aware of, is this nerve, is this muscle stretch becoming really able to determine? Yeah, exactly. Those are are great ways. Then when we go to choose the right stretch, because obviously like if you Google stretches for sciatica, Uh as you said, you're going to have all sorts of suggestions. Mm -hmm. Can you just do any of those and listen in? And as long as there's no nerve sensation, you're good to go. Is that what you're saying? Well, now here I'm biased because I'm, you know, I'm a physical (laughs) therapist (laughs) and I'm also a yoga therapist. I did lots of training in yoga therapy. It's best to seek out a professional. Truthfully, it'll save you a ton of time and energy Mm -hmm. and it'll help Mm -hmm. you to heal faster you know, Mm -hmm. just go to a professional and get an evaluation. And I used to tell my students this all the time because they've come to me after class. Well, just give me one stretch that'll help. And I'd say, I can't in five minutes without fully evaluating you. Like you have to figure out, it's called a directional preference. What way is going to irritate you and what way is going to relieve you? Sometimes Mm -hmm. people are, you know, it's helpful to bend forward. And that can be very relieving and healing. And that could be some of the asanas that you might sequence for yourself or your students. Other people, it's more backbends. It's in the physical therapy world. We call it the McKenzie technique. In yoga world, it's doing more cobra type poses, more backbend Mm -hmm. type poses. That can be very relieving. In some cases, for some people, they have to, both of those can be triggering or irritating and they have to stay neutral. But you don't know till you track down the why. Why is it happening in the first place? And truthfully for myself, I had to go to a practitioner. Even though I knew the stuff, it's very hard to detect in your own body because we have our Mm. own perceptions. We have our own perceived reality and we live in our own boxes. So I, I have a mild scoliosis. And I thought the direction I was stretching was actually helping myself until one of my PT friends who we actually worked in the same clinic, I finally had her evaluate me. She's like, oh no, she's like, you're making your scoliosis curve worse. And that is feeding into the sciatica. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, you know, I knew the stuff. I just couldn't see it in my own body. I didn't know what my mm-hmm. spine looked like. I don't have eyes in the back of my back. <laughs> yeah. So there's yoga, but I'm sure as your background with PT, there's also other things that people can do. And you talked about the stickiness of the tissue. So Uh what about self-massage, like myofascial release, these kind of things? Yeah, 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 for sure. So hot yoga, I'll take you through my sciatic journey because I used yoga to heal, yoga and yoga therapy. So when I couldn't move, because there was a few weeks I was in acute pain and all I could do was ice, it was primarily breath work. So pranayama, restorative with no symptoms, 
and meditation. And I'm type A, I'm ambitious. And so for most people, that's the hard place to be because you want to be doing something to make it heal Mm -hmm. faster. But at that time, the resting, that is the healing. That is what you need to do. So in the beginning, that's the best thing you can do really. And from there, it's a buildup of starting to bring in small movements as tolerable with no symptoms and taking the space off the nerve. So you can start with the spine itself. You can start with, there's yoga asana. You can work with the breath where there's just very mild traction using your hands and starting to reawaken the core. So engaging the transverse abdominis with gentle movements of maybe a wig wag or you have, again, that depends on the direction. Like a pelvis rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You can do like the clock, like more of the Alexander technique. There's many ways you can explore around in this time where movements might be smaller, but you can still work to take pressure off the nerve. You can, again, depending on the availability for mobility, you can bring in like a melt foam roller. It depends. I wouldn't say to use this in the very acute phase, but if you're coming out of that, the tune-up balls are great as well. You can Mm -hmm. use your fingers. Like, so for me, I was also working with the fascia and the psoas muscles. So self-massaging gently in that reason, (laughs) because, you know, just like anything else, self-massage can be overdone. And then as I began to tolerate asana more, I started going back to the yoga studio in Hatha style classes and therapeutic style classes, slow moving practices, and I would just modify. So again, stopping before I felt any sensation using props, but pretty much I could go to, there was a lot of classes while I'm in San Diego that I could choose from. And I started Mm -hmm. to work and bring in, your viewers can't see, but I have the yoga wall behind me, which is a great source of traction. It's developed from the Iyengar rope wall. So you might have a rope wall or an Mm -hmm. Iyengar studio in your region. And there are a variety of therapeutic yoga techniques to help take pressure off the nerve from the spine, working with the fascia, building strength of certain muscles, and then releasing tight muscles like psoas, quads, or hamstrings, that whole kind Mm -hmm. of lower region. And it's not always about hip opening either, but we do want mobility in the six directions of the hip, as well as the stability. So would you say that that's a good prevention tip, like keeping your mobility in all six directions, balancing the muscles that are, you know, antagonist and keeping some stability and some strength in the way that's also balanced with your mobility? Yeah, hundred percent. And then, you know, it's just tuning into your body because I love to do an Urva D, a wheel pose. I even love a pigeon pose, handstands, all the fun things, except For me to do a vigorous style practice with a peak pose every day, it's just too much for my body. So Mm. it's knowing the days when restorative or yin might be more appropriate. And then knowing the days that you can handle a more vigorous practice. And yeah, so getting to know yourself and then being honest with what you need Mm -hmm. and honoring that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not always easy. (laughs) No, right? But that's the work of the eight limbs of yoga and the practice of self-study as well. That's bringing more of the yoga philosophies into your life. So it's embodying the all-encompassing yoga beyond the physical, which is just 
a beautiful way to keep yoga in your life as you age forever, hopefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I hear a lot of possibilities and a lot yes. of hope and an invitation to work with professionals for people that feel hopeless. Like they mm-hmm. feel like it's been forever. They feel stuck in it and they're Googling, like, is this ever going to heal? Like, yes. what am I doing? Do you have any tips or words of wisdom to give them a little bit of hope? Yeah, there is hope because I tell my story only to be a living example of what's possible because I did have severe sciatic pain and disc herniations where I really had to build my practice from the ground up, starting over again in my 30s. So I wasn't, you know, typically older when it happens and it's possible to fully heal and get your practice back. However, the thinking or the moving that got you into that problem is not the same thinking and moving that's going to get you out of the problem. So Mm. it requires a bit of patience and a step Mm -hmm. back to observe what is the new thinking? What is the new moving that will help you get there? So I've worked with a lot of people that have come to me and they've had sciatica for years and they show me how they're practicing or what they're practicing from a Google search from a YouTube search, right? Where that (laughs) exercise might be perfectly helpful for one person, but for them, they're practicing it every day and it's the exercise that's flaring them up. So it can be such a simple thing where they might've had this issue for years on and off. And I tell them, well, stop doing that. Even though you think it feels good and you love it, let's just supplement it with this instead. And we swap a yoga pose. And then finally, it's not like a light switch where it just goes away, but it Mm -hmm, finally mm -hmm. starts to heal. They finally start to get relief and it happens sooner than they think. Sometimes sciatica does take a while. Nerves sometimes do take a while to heal. But again, it's not a life sentence for pain, right? I think, and I think Western medicine is getting better about this too, because degenerative disc disease, degenerative joint disease, sciatica, you know, the Western medicine doctors would kind of give you the diagnosis and be like, well, you know, you're getting older, just live with it type of mentality. But that's not the truth. There's a lot that can be done and people are healing. And the great thing about yoga is that it's a way to slow down the aging and even reverse the aging process. So even Mm -hmm. though you might have pain now, you might have had pain for many years, you still have the possibility to heal and go forward. You just have to be patient during the process. Mm -hmm. And then get support. If you've been dealing with this for years and you haven't figured it out, really, it's time to ask for help. It's time. And it doesn't mean that you're weaker and people that come to me that maybe haven't been doing the quote unquote correct exercise, right. Or the exercise that were they were flaring themselves up. I'm not going to shame you. A provider should not (laughs) shame you. If they do go to another one because we're all human beings, right. We're Mm -hmm. all learning. Like I said, I was doing something that was flaring myself up and I know better. I just couldn't see what was happening with my own back. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we just need that outside perspective to help point us in the right direction. Or I have so many people that just need to hear that they can heal. Right. And that I'm there along the way to help them. And just having that support net gives them enough courage to slow down or to believe Mm. that they can heal. Some people just don't believe right now for whatever reason, there can be many reasons as to why you don't trust your body to heal yet. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a very good nugget for people to chew on. Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with, or if there's something we haven't talked about you think would be important to mention, what would that be? Yeah. Sometimes this whole topic stirs up confusion for the yoga teacher that maybe has never had sciatic pain before. Mm. And they do teach a large class and maybe even mm-hmm. therapeutics themselves. The question I always get is, well, like, someone might get irritated bending forward. Someone might get irritated bending back. How do I know? What do I teach? And it's just learning how to cue your students to go slow and feel within their bodies. And if it is a therapeutic style class, you can still make it challenging in a number of ways by holding longer or strengthening or helping provide awareness. There's all kinds of ways to challenge the students. And you can keep a class in neutral. I teach sciatic workshops. And for the majority of the two hours, we don't do deep forward bends or back bends. We stay in primarily neutral because I don't know. But when I'm teaching my healthy back class, it's helping the student by cueing to learn what's best for their own body, which is a cool technique to teach them because then you're teaching them how to fish instead of just getting the fish for them. Mm. So then they can apply Mm -hmm. it to any area of their life. Really, they're more empowered. So that way you can teach many people all at once and not run the risk of flaring anyone. Mm, That's a very good tip. I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, where is the best place for people to find you if they want to say hi, they have more questions, or they like to work with you in some capacity? Sure. They can just go to Ignite Your Wellness and the yours with a U-R. So IgniteYourWellness.com and all my info and free resources and all the things are all right there. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with me on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. Screenshot you listening to this episode with your takeaways. Check out our membership platform to become a premium podcast member and get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Find out the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 130. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Thank you, guys. Once again, thanks for joining in. Until next time.